Hey, thanks for listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. If you're in the Orlando area, we hope that you'll be able to join us for one of our services. Please check out faithassembly.org for more information or follow us on social media at faithORL. We hope that this message will be an inspiration to you and that you'll find all that God has for your life. Enjoy the message. The book of James is a great book, a book that I absolutely love. There's so many parts of the Bible that just stand out. Um, all of it so good and needed and necessary, but certain, certain parts of it, certain scripture that maybe are your favorite scripture, uh, books uh, of the Bible that become uh, just so special to you at a time in your life. Maybe there was a time you were going through a difficult moment. You came across uh, a verse or two or three that just brought life to you. And ever since then has done it. Every time you read it, you think about it. Uh, this book, I love, taught through it um, probably several times over the last uh, 20 plus years. And um, it's a great book. I love, um, the only problem with starting in chapter one is it keeps me from going straight to chapter three, all right? Uh, I love chapter three. I love where it talks about the tongue, but we'll get there soon enough, all right? And um, well, let's look at uh, the word tonight. And we're gonna jump in. It's just an overview of chapter one. Um, and um, we'll, um, we'll just talk about um, uh, act, uh Acts, um, James chapter one and verse one. I don't have it on the screen, but let me just give you uh, what James says because it's not in my notes. But as I look back over that first verse, I thought I, I need to think about that and bring that out. James, the half brother of Jesus. And um, for years at different times, I'd think about what it must have been like to be a brother of uh, Jesus Christ. Somebody that never got in trouble, never did any, well, he did get in trouble. Uh, he stayed back in Jerusalem when he was 12 and uh, he got in some trouble there when his mother and dad searched for him and uh, was missing for several days. When, he found that, when they found him in the temple, asking questions and answering questions in the temple. But as far as we know, that's the only time he ever got in trouble uh, doing something like that. And uh, his brothers, of course, no doubt were the typical sons or boys. And uh, I'm sure they got in trouble from time to time. But to then grow up and realize, and they didn't realize it until they were grown, who their brother was, the Messiah. And uh, the incredible thing is James became a uh, disciple. He uh, became a leader in Jerusalem. It's thought that James became the head of the church in Jerusalem and helped to direct uh, the church and policy there in Jerusalem. James, the half-brother of Jesus. And uh, to think that in James chapter 1, verse 1, he called himself a bond servant, a bond servant, not just a servant, but a bond servant, which was the lowest of the lowest servants that uh, you would have picked them for the lowliest task. And James, and not only him, but other disciples and Paul would refer to themselves as a bond servant 
servant of the Messiah, of Jesus their Lord. And uh, to think that him, this half-brother James would say, I am a bond servant to, uh, of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amazing, incredible. All right, let's um, look at James. And uh, the, the amazingly, we're going to start, start talking about Mark first, all right? Mark chapter 6, verse 3. Is this not the carpenter? Um, those that were asking that knew him and said, Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary and brother? He had four brothers. And, uh, and then he says, and are not his sisters. So he had uh, more than two sisters, uh, and their names, their names were not given. But he had four brothers and uh, at least two or three plus sisters. And so the Bible says they were offended at him. Uh, how many of you know you can't pick your family? How many of you know that? How many of you would have picked a different family? All right, so uh, possibly a couple of, you, couple of you would have said, yeah, I would have picked a whole different family. Uh, we grew up very poor on the farm. I, I just, the crazy thing is I didn't know I was poor until I got older. And then I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm poor. Uh, it didn't bother me until someone implied I was poor. And then when it dawned on me that I was um, it started bothering me to some extent when I got a little bit older. And I would think about uh, my uncle because I really admired him. He owned a dairy. Seemed, he always drove a nice car. We had an old car. And uh, he always drove a nice car. And I thought, boy, be nice to be his son. Uh, he finally got saved. My dad was not saved. Uh, but you think crazy things when you're a kid, uh, or at least I did. I couldn't choose my family, but out of that family, with all of its um, issues, especially with my dad, with all of its issues, God worked in that family. And so whatever family structure you had, and whether you say, yes, I would have loved to have another family, God wants to work in your life and use even your upbringing to use that to minister to other people. When I look at my dad, he was backslidden. That was the reason he wasn't what he should have been. He was called to preach when he was about 19 years of age. Somebody in the church said something, did something, caused him to fall away, or that became his excuse. And so he turned his back on God and for many, many years did not serve God. And then when he got older, uh, two or three years literally before he died, he came back to Christ and began to serve him and love him, sit there and read the Bible literally for hours on end. He had drank uh, most of his life. Uh, I went to see him. He says, Carl, I had no problem giving away the alcohol, giving it up. But he said, I, I am really struggling with these cigarettes. And he said, I sit here and I feel bad about it, but I read the Bible and smoke. And, and uh, so he wanted prayer and wanted me to pray for him. And, and uh, yet, um, even though he may have still been smoking when he passed away with a heart attack, he's still in heaven. Now, uh, I, it's been said, you know, smoking, uh, you may go to heaven. You certainly will. That won't stop you from going to heaven. You will just may smell like 
H-E-L-L, if, you know, when you get there, all right? But don't worry, you get a new body and a new smell, all right? So anyway, um, we look at Mark chapter 6 and verse 3, and we realize Christ grew up in a family that was relatively, as far as we know, normal, the son of Mary. Now, I, I don't know what you believe about Mary. We are to honor the mother of Christ, but we are not to revere her, certainly not to pray for her. The Immaculate Conception, uh, no, she had sin in her life. She was not sinless, all right? And I know that uh, some major denominations teach that she was sinless, but Mary was born in sin, and uh, she was a good girl. She was a good young lady, and God chose her, but uh, she was also marked by sin at birth as a result of uh, being born into the human race. Now, in um, let's go to Matthew chapter 12, and it says, while he was still talking to the multitudes, behold, his mother, his brother stood outside seeking to speak with him. You know the story. Christ is surrounded by his disciples and others that were pressing in at a house or a place of dwelling uh, to hear him share and speak. And someone broke through the crowd and said, look, your mother, Mary, and your brothers are standing outside seeking to speak with you. Um, Mom was concerned about Jesus. The brothers were concerned about Jesus. They did not understand their eldest brother going off and and leading a group of disciples and teaching about the kingdom and that uh, he was the Messiah. They didn't get it at this point. But he answered and said to the one, and you can say to people who believe that Mary is someone other than someone just to be honored as his mother, you can read these verses in Matthew. But he answered and said to the one who told him, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? And he stretched out his hand toward his disciples and said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever, and here it is, for whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Ah, agua. Okay. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Here is the key to greater connection. And this is why sometimes you may feel closer to brothers and sisters in Christ than you do your own brothers in the flesh. Because they're doing the will of the Father. You're, you have a spiritual connection with brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, last Sunday, we talked about connecting. Last Saturday, we talked about connecting. I want to challenge you to get connected, all right? Uh, get into a connect group. Uh, get into the grow classes. This week, Pastor John will be talking about serving and uh, so we can serve also as well as be in fellowship. The difference between the grow classes and the 
uh, connect groups is the grow classes or more theology with some fellowship. The connect groups are more fellowship with some theology, all right? So, all right, let's go. And we got to get to the, uh, we got to get to the book of James, all right? Okay, let's go to James chapter 1, verse 2 and 4. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. How many of you got this patience thing down pat? You, I mean, literally, you got it down pat. Uh, anything can happen, and you're just cool as a cucumber. You are patient with your kids. They never get under your skin. Uh, yeah, I know better than that. All right, so anyway, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete lacking nothing. Perfect in the Bible, you see that word? Usually you can use the word maturity. Maturity or mature, speaking of spiritual maturity. In verse 2, various trials. Various trials, like COVID. That would be one right there, all right? Like not being able to come to church or for weeks uh, on end, like not knowing what's going to happen, like uh, being at 9-11 and, and uh, the potential fear gripping your heart, wondering what's going to happen. All of us have been through some trials and some uh, difficulties in life, but over and over and over and over, the Bible tells us to count it joy to walk in joy, to rejoice. And uh, there are times that you read these verses and you're like, God, uh, we think of joy as happy, an expression on our face uh, of enthusiasm. And, um, and yet joy doesn't have to show itself in that way. Uh, Jesus hanging on the cross, bleeding, dying. The Bible says for the joy that was set before him. Now, in that particular verse, it's talking about you and I. It's talking about all the millions of men and women that will come to believe on him as Lord and Savior and experience eternal life. That brought joy to his heart, even as he hung on the cross in great and severe pain. So, Thinking about that, you may be going through something very, very difficult. So you don't have to fall into depression. What the Bible is saying for us to do is look forward. Look for the joy that is to come. Know that there is joy inside of you, even though you're not laughing, even though you're not expressing uh, enthusiasm or happiness and joy like you maybe you would at Christmas or a holiday or a birthday or or a happy occasion but you're you have joy within you and when you're thinking about what's ahead when you're thinking about what's to come you know that God is going to bring you through this 
Um, you know that whatever you go through, you're going to be a better person as a result of going through it and thinking about uh, the joy of getting on the other side of the experience. When the Jews came to the Red Sea, the Egyptians were behind them. The Red Sea was in front of them. They panicked immediately. They didn't break out into a Jericho march. They were frozen with fear, and that fear turned into anger. How many of you have got angry over a trial you've gone through? That is natural in the flesh because when you fear, then all of a sudden you are start looking for somebody to blame, and uh, you usually find at least somebody but they found Moses in that particular case and began to blame Moses and to, to accuse him of wanting them to die. And then, of course, God told him to strike the water and the east wind blew all night, parted the Red Sea so that there was dry ground for them to walk across. And they walk across and get to the other side. And what did they do after the Egyptians were all drowned? They broke out the tambourines. They broke out in joy and enthusiasm. But why didn't they break out in joy on the other side? Because they were going through a perplexing time in a moment when they thought they were going to die, when they didn't know what was going to happen, and they had not learned to trust God yet. Folks, may the day come when we experience the same thing on each side of the Red Sea, that we don't wait to get through the problem to rejoice, but we start rejoicing on this side of the problem. And that's what God wants us to do, to experience joy in the midst of a trial, knowing that we're going to the other side. That is what God's Spirit is saying to us. Look, go ahead and lift your hands up over here. Go ahead and Go lift your voice up over here because you believe that you're going toward a better place. And hey, what's the worst thing to die? No, not the worst thing is to die. The worst thing is to turn away from God. Uh, I had a pastor today say to me, he said, everybody wants to go to heaven until you ask them, are you ready? And, uh, and then I picture, I picture that church and I forgot the location and seemed like it was in Central America where a pastor um, was having service and they were worshiping and singing and his mother was in the service and she collapsed and died. And some began to get all concerned. He's like, nope, let's just keep on worshiping. Just keep on. She's in heaven. Just go ahead and let's just worship and praise God. And when I heard that story, I thought, Carl, you got a ways to go. You have got a ways to go. You, you need to be like that man um, so that if any of you die, we just keep singing. And we just keep on singing. We'll eventually carry you out. All right, so I'm just <sighs> come to think of it. When was it? Two years ago, we had somebody on Saturday night. Uh, a precious, dear, dear brother to me. He's had heart problems for years and years and to many people. Uh, and literally during worship, um, he had a massive heart attack back in the back 
or halfway back, and they took him to the back. And uh, what do you do? What do you do? We just kept on singing. Then we'd stop and pray. Then we'd keep on singing. And then we'd stop and pray. I'm like, how long is this going to last? And so we just kept on singing. I didn't know what to do. I didn't want him to die. Um, I didn't say, oh, just let him go. He's ready for heaven and uh, be cavalier about it. I'm sure I would have upset some family members that love him dearly. But uh, if he had died, he would have gone into the presence of God. And that heart attack, that pain, that suffering would have just been the essence of us, the instrument of ushering him in to the presence of God. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its mature work, perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete. Various trials. The idea is not a seduction of sin, but the idea of that of strengthening and purifying, improving and testing our lives. I think they have this scripture, Romans chapter 5, verse 3 on the screen through 5. And it simply says this. It goes right along with a joy verse that we just read. And not only that, but we also glory, we also glory in tribulations. I, I think not only myself, but all of us are reading this, hearing this, thinking, okay, how do we glory in tribulations? Only through the goodness of God, only through looking to him, only through trusting him on both sides of the Red Sea, all right? We trust him on both sides of the Red Sea. We do before we get across the Red Sea what we're going to do when we get on the other side. Don't wait till you're healed to praise him. Go ahead and praise him. Don't wait till you uh, to praise him until you're financially free, but uh, go ahead and praise him now. So whatever you're going through, praise him for he is good and almighty and he will come through for you. When he starts seeing us, praise and worship and we're hurting and in pain or grieving over something and yet we are worshiping I'm telling you it gets the attention of God so we glory in tribulations knowing that tribulation produces perseverance we persevere oh uh, that that word that's a great word we keep on keeping on, all right? We persevere. We don't give up. We keep it up. And perseverance produces character. And character produces hope. Now, hope does not disappoint. That's what Sweden and those young people in Sweden needed is hope. In God, they need hope, not just hope in their future, hope in God. And so because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. And then in 1 Peter chapter 1, well, let me go to verse 6, guys. And it says this, in this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials greatly rejoice. Boy, we got a ways to, I, I got a ways to go. Uh, anybody, anybody else in here got a ways to go? 
Nobody's raising their hand. All right, so I know several of you, you know, we all do. We got a ways to go. For we greatly, for this, in this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials that the genuineness of your faith, here it is, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Don't you think that we're, when we get to heaven, don't you think that we're going to be glad we gloried in tribulations? When we get to heaven, we look back, we'll be like, oh, God, don't bring that up. You know, I blew it. Yes, I I didn't worship until I got through this whole, that whole thing, God. I didn't worship until I, like the Jews, I got through the Red Sea. God, forgive me. But the genuineness of our faith, keep persevering, keep going on, keep believing, God. Don't give up. And don't, I mean, when discouragement comes in, uh, let somebody encourage you. You encourage yourself in the Lord. You get out of it. Keep going in Jesus' name. Amen. We all go through things. We all go through downers. We all uh, emotional ebb and flow, but uh, we don't stay down there in Jesus' name. We, we come out of that. Whatever's causing it, we come out. Usually the, most, the more difficult the trials, the more we long for heaven. Now, um, maybe, maybe in the years to come, maybe trials will become so um, pressing against Christians in America that we will just start thinking more and more about heaven. Come, Lord Jesus. Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Look up your redemption. Our redemption draws nigh. Lord, anytime now, we're ready to go. Abraham, in Genesis 22, 1. Now, it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. Um, the test of Abraham. Um, it was a grievous test. It was a test to take his own son and offer him as a sacrifice. Wow. I mean, the, um, the son of inheritance, the son of promise is the son. He had Ishmael um, before that with the Egyptian um, maid to his wife. But this is the son of promise. And to take him, and now he's in all up in years. It was already in everybody's mind in the whole neighborhood. It's a miracle. Sarah and Abraham at this age had a child. And now God is saying, take the child, lay him on the altar. And absolutely, Abraham proceeds to do just that. There will be a test of sorrows and disappointments, which will seek to take our faith away. But trials and disappointments and tribulations shouldn't take our faith away. They should purify our faith. They should strengthen our faith because we're going to look to God 
and we're going to say, God, I may not understand this. I'm going to praise you anyway. Okay? Uh, I'm going to come to church uh, on Wednesday night, Lord. I I'm had a rough day. I'm going to get in there. I'm going to praise you anyway, Lord. I I'm not going to let what happened today, the boss chewed me out. Maybe you lost your job. I'm not going to let it affect me. I am going to praise my Lord. And uh, regardless of the test I'm going through, there will also be the test of seductions which seeks to lure us from the right way. They are not sent. God will not allow things to come that will overwhelm us. We are not tempted. We, don't, we will not go through anything that is beyond our ability with God's help. So these things are not uh, there to defeat us. They are there to raise us up. That we are more than conquerors through Christ our Lord. And so we're to be raised up by the difficulties of life that come our way. Um, some of you have been through so, so much pain in your life. And uh, if you're not careful, see, you look around and you meet a friend and it's like they have never gone through a thing. And you're like, God, what, what gives here? You know, I mean... They raised in a great family. Mine was just hellacious, you know, drug addicts and, and uh, left on a, you know, a stoop to, to be adopted by atheist parents. I mean, God, what gives? This person had a wonderful family. They mom and dad loved them, gave them everything they wanted. They got saved when they were 16, served the Lord, filled with the Spirit, serving in the church. Full, I mean, they don't have any physical problems. They look better than me. I mean, what gives? Uh, you, you, can't, you cannot comprehend the fact that, see, we don't compare ourselves to one another because I think those who have been through the most difficult of times are the ones that can be used by God to touch others in ways that somebody who's never been through a difficult time will ever know. Uh, ever know. I, 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 I thank God God was patient with me and God was patient with you. Um, when I was growing up, my dad used to say to me um, when I'd complain about my back and working on the farm, we worked hard. And if I complained, like one time there was a semi of fertilizer and um, bags of it, 100-pound bags. And he told my brother and I, Daryl, to unload that truck and those bags of fertilizer, 100 pounds. Uh, I don't know how many bags. And uh, I complained about my bag. Boy, you are not even old enough to have a bag. <laughs> and uh, I mean, that's comforting. You know, that's... Um, that's what dads are supposed to say, you know, humiliate you, you know, when you're going out there and work like a slave all day for him. And, um, but it always stuck with me. You're not old enough to have a back. And so I never had any back problems. And then when I first became pastor and people would come up and say, oh, I got a back problem. I'm like, they're not even old enough to have a back. <laughs> you know, I'm like, I, I could not identify. I just, I literally, I had no compassion. <laughs> I'll, I'll admit it. I prayed for them. I prayed that they, you know, 
quit acting that way. And so um, literally it was almost a battle going on in my mind. Uh, you're not, you don't have a back. You know, you're, you're just making this up. You're get to work, man. Um, and I had, I didn't have any compassion until the day came that I had a sore neck. It was right before Easter and, and uh, someone in our church, God bless her soul. I'm sure they'll go to heaven. Um, but they said, you need to go to this chiropractor. So we went, we went, we walked in. He didn't take an x-ray. He put me on the table. This guy was a giant of a guy. I, um, he had hands like just huge. And he lays me down and puts those monster hands on both sides of my head. And he doesn't tell me what he's about to do. And I didn't go to the doctor um, back then hardly at all. And so I was certainly not chiropractors. And so all of a sudden he takes my head and that vice of hands and he just to the side. And I'm like, I resisted, of course, who wouldn't? I resisted. And uh, he stopped. He didn't go the other way. And I get up. He's like, okay. I'm like, okay. Um, I go home. The next morning, pain shoots down my back. Excruciating pain. I'm one of the nicest guys I know, all right? So, uh, you know, the average guy would have sued his hide. Um, you know, I had a car, put big tires on it. The kid at the mechanic shop, you know, uh, peeled out and drove it home without my permission and stripped the clutch. I didn't even say anything to him. I did not say anything to him. I have let people get away with hurting me off and on through my life. But don't try it because I'm over it. All right. So anyway, um, um, but this guy, when I felt that pain, I, you know, I'm like, I didn't even think about suing. Didn't cross really my mind. Um, he did a silly thing in my opinion, but for three months, I was in excruciating pain like I have never experienced in my life. And all of a sudden, I find people in our church. They come up, and I would mention it, and they would come up and say, Pastor, my back. And I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. I met, I had no idea there were that many people in our church that had back problems. They just didn't come to me. Because my attitude was, you don't have a back. And so, uh, I, maybe that was it, but when I express my pain, all of a sudden, here they come. Oh, pastor, I can't feel my legs. One man told me, he said, I work for Orange County. I get up every day of my life. I take morphine. I go to work. I come home and go to bed. My wife has left me. And I was devastated by the pain I heard through experiencing my own pain. And so finally, Pastor Matt's mother um, 
told him about a situation procedure, and after three months of agony, so much so that sitting on a couch one night, sitting there in such pain, can't sleep, thought to myself, thoughts come into my mind, where's my gun? Where's my gun? I'm going to take, I'm just going to get out of pain. And now I can identify. When somebody says back pain, I do not in any way, shape, or form go to that place where I used to be. I go to another place, a place of understanding, a place of compassion. And see, that's, that's what those of you that have been through such difficult times, God's going to use that in your life to bring relief to other people to pray with compassion. Um, I'd rather pay, pray for people with back problems and, problems and kidney problems than uh, anything because I so want them healed. But in spite of it all, there can be a joy inside that maybe you're not laughing, you're in such pain, but there's a joy inside still that carries you through the pain and uses you on the other side of pain. I hope you enjoyed listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. Thanks for joining with us in our pursuit of getting closer to Christ. Stay tuned for more messages released every week. God bless.